This is the Business of Apps podcast, bringing you actionable insights from the leaders of the global app industry and the world's fastest growing apps. You can find more app news, data and analysis over at businessofapps.com. Welcome to the Business of Apps podcast. On this show, we invite app industry professionals to cover various topics. We promise to do our best to keep it both insightful but brief. On this episode, we have uh, Philip Stelzer, Staff Product Manager for GoToMeeting. Philip, welcome to the Business of Apps podcast. Thank you. I'm excited to be here. All right. I believe it's a common knowledge that you can define the effectiveness of your marketing campaign if you know your audience well. When you're crafting a marketing message, do you understand what kind of people will be reading it on the other end? Now, in general, marketing is subdivided to B2C and B2B uh, type of marketing. Yes, those famous acronyms we hear about all the time, but not often think about what makes them different. What is the difference in doing marketing for these two? Today, Philip will help us to figure it out with an example of doing marketing for mobile SaaS apps. But before doing that, Philip, please give us a bit of your background. Okay, yeah, sure. I'm happy to do that. So, yeah, I joined my first really professional job was around like seven, eight years ago uh, at a company called Vuga, actually based in the B2C space. Mm-hmm. Um, Vuga is based in Berlin. It's a mobile app developer developing casual mobile games. Started like many in the industry with uh, browser games, but then uh, used uh, the momentum in 2012, 2013 to transition over to be fully focused on mobile. And I worked there in the capacity of trying to find good ways to sell our app impressions. So kind of like Mm -hmm. the the time that our customers spend in our games and to use that space to sell it to advertising networks. So that's kind of like what I started there with in-game advertising and trying to make that like a fun and engaging experience and not just like showing some random banners at the bottom of the, the UI. Mm-hmm. And then uh, throughout time there, I transitioned to the role of uh, a product manager and then uh, led the, like one development team there uh, that was focusing on the casual match-free game called uh, Jelly Splash. Quite successful free-to-play game, a line matcher, one of the most successful line matchers, I think, that was ever on the market. And then after like five years or so at Vuga, I made the decision to explore some other industries And I was particularly interested in the B2B space and looking for companies that are operating in similar industries like gaming, but just with a focus on business. And and that's kind of like, that's how I ended up at uh, Lock Me In. Uh, Lock Me In is is where I'm at right now. Uh, Lock Me In is a SaaS provider. So we are developing software that is enabling companies and the employees to work uh, remotely. That's mm-hmm. kind of like the key goal that we have here at the company. There are many different brands under Lock Me In. Probably most people don't know Lock Me In themselves, but they will know the brands that are associated with it. So uh, just to name a few, Join Me, for example, LastPass, a password management tool, uh, Jive, which is a PBX solution mostly popular in the US. And then the brand that has the highest brand recognition and this is also the product that I'm working on most of the time is GoToMeeting and the mm-hmm. associated products of GoToMeeting like GoToWebinar and uh, training. 
which serve more like uh, marketing or educational purposes. Yeah. So that's what I'm doing right now, uh, working on mobile versions of GoToMeeting and um, at the moment also GoToWebinar. We have at the moment three development teams working on both iOS and Android. Yeah. So, as a matter of fact, I do remember LogMeIn when I was a PC user. I was using it pretty much, uh, I don't know, for like a year or so to remotely get access to my desktop machine. I don't remember the specific reason why I stopped using it, but the name still rings the bell for me. So, that's like you've said, probably not many people remember it, but uh, people from, I don't know, who started like 10, 15, uh, 20 years ago and they should definitely remember the brand because that was really big back in the day i and that now it's known by the brands you've just named it, the goatee meeting which is uh, one of the top brands top apps for uh, uh, connecting remotely just remote workspace for people around the world okay great let's begin with the definition of what sas s-a-a-s stands for well what are some examples that people may be familiar with. Yeah, so SaaS really basically means that it's like a software licensing and delivery model in its Mm -hmm. most pure form, right? Where the idea is that the software or parts of the software are hosted in the cloud and the software is then delivered more or less on demand to the customers. So very popular examples, I'm sure that everyone knows of this, uh, for example, Office 365 by, uh, by Microsoft. This is a very typical, uh, SaaS offering right now. But of course, other typical examples would be something like LastPass, right? So, uh, LastPass has like a free option that can be used by every, uh, private person or individual. But then there's also a business option for, uh, LastPass that is then like a cloud hosted uh, password management system that companies can purchase on the licensing model, right? So on the user by user model, and then they pay like a monthly fee. And LastPass is in return offering them like a a variety of different services. Like, so for example, uh, one service would be not just the storage of the actual password, right? But also added services like making sure that the employees change the password every 30 days, Mm-hmm. or that the security levels of these passwords is meeting certain standards, right? So, so for example, that it's at least 88 characters and it's using like a, like at least one number and a capital letter or, or stuff like this, right? So uh, that's really like what this SaaS offering. Yeah, yeah. That, that's extremely important these days. Yes. So, now, another question that like folks in US would say 64,000 or with inflation, 64 million question. What is the difference in approach between marketing B2C and B2B apps? Yeah, I think so. I, I would say the main difference is that B2C applications are user-driven, right? So you have like a developer and the developer is trying to appeal to a mass market that consists of a lot of individual users. And whenever they put out a product there, then those products will survive in the market that have the highest retention. And so in general, at least in the case of B2B, there is no point in marketing your B2B solution to a mass market or to like a lot of like individual end customers. But 
what you're trying to do is you try to appeal to those who actually take the decision or who are like in a position where they can actually influence the decision for a company, which product they should actually adopt. Right. So this could be, for example, someone like an IT admin, which is specifically true if you work in a larger organization with more than like two, three, four or five hundred employees, then usually um, the decision makers would be at least in the first instance, instance, uh, the IT admins. But for um, smaller businesses, this would usually be like more the owner or if you're like a startup with like 100 to 150 employees, then probably the decision maker would most likely be still the the C-level, like the CTO, if it's more like a technical product, the CMO, if it's more like a marketing technology, right? Or or the CEO or COO, if it's more like a, a product that is used for something like LastPass, like for employee management, right? So in B2C, you're really trying to appeal to the masses, right? And you really try to build something that is fun and engaging, first right so because that's kind of like how you how you keep people interacting with your product while in the b2b case i mean obviously every person here has the goal to make the product fun and engaging but in the reality that's not always possible right so it, sometimes these products can be quite complex right so and then your marketing approach is more about really trying to make sure that these decision makers that the product is appealing to them, that they understand how it works, uh, that you build up specific um, use cases that are useful for them like, and serve these use cases and really try to get into the mindset of them. Right. So if you think, for example, about an IT admin, what does an IT admin typically do? Right. So if they imagine you're, you're selling like your product to, to an IT admin with an, an organization of 1000 employees. Right. Right. And then maybe they're buying your product and switching another product out for that, right? So mm -hmm. in the case of, let's stick with LastPass, uh, right? So right. the company is using one password and then they're switching to LastPass, right? So like one of the things that you need to think about, something that the, the normal employees will not even notice, but the IT admin certainly will, is the onboarding process, right? So how do I get people stop using one password and start using LastPass? Can I export and import the passwords? How do I actually do the whole passing on of the login credentials? Right. So there need to be systems in place that make life of these people who need to manage these SaaS offerings really easy. So that's that's like a very different perspective also in terms of product development, but certainly also marketing. Right. So in general, in both cases, we're talking about people. But for in B2C case, the audience is huge. And no matter how hard you're trying to get a good picture of who are these people, it's just impossible to get the precise picture. You're getting the average portrait of your user that you're trying to appeal to. But to be honest, you know very little about who she or he is. But with B2B audience, the audience, the scope is less, it's more narrow. And I don't want to say it's easier, but from what you're saying, you're kind of a, if you know what you're doing, if you know that you're writing your messaging and trying to appeal to people about whom you can get a better perspective using LinkedIn, knowing what they're doing as a profession, have a general perspective, like what's important for these people? What kind of problems they usually encounter on a daily basis when, you know, doing their work and 
because you know the audience is smaller, you can get a better perspective of what kind of pain points, as they say, you can address and make their life easier and make them happier. So can you think of some kind of, um, I don't know, some tips on how to appeal to decision makers in companies like people you've just described yeah. just in general terms? Yeah, I think like, I mean, obviously the first start is really like really having a lot of conversations with them, right? So <laughs> both from a marketing and from a product perspective, product development perspective, you need to have a lot of conversations with these customers in one-to-one -one conversations, mm -hmm. right? So really, 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 really understand them. Um, you can, of course, do things like surveys and things like this, but just like you said, um, that would be very aggregated and you don't really understand and hear the, the stories and the pain points, right? So for that, you need to engage directly. And I think that that should always be the start talking to your customers, or if you don't have any customers, uh, talk to prospects, right. And mm -hmm. really understand the jobs that they need to do. Right. So, um, there's this concept of jobs to be done right. and understanding the jobs that these people need to do and need to take care of, I think is always the best first step, uh, you can take. And then if you know that, if you know what the jobs are that they need to do, you get a much better understanding of the workflows that they actually need to go through every day. And then based on that, you can create, well, first of all, obviously build your product, but then when your product is built, also market these very specific solutions to the jobs to be done of these people. Right? So, and that's something you can do in, in very different ways. Certainly you can run targeted CPA campaigns, right? So mm -hmm. that's, that's possible. Performance marketing is not out of the question. So even though I don't think it's like heavily used in SaaS that much, like it's more like an awareness in SaaS, you see more like awareness marketing, like in airports and rental cars and stuff like this, right? So this is like the, the classic media landscape for, for SaaS offerings. But if you know the target audience, right, then you can still run performance marketing campaigns. Like, right? so for example, to invite them to join a webinar, which would be like mm -hmm. probably like the cheapest solution, right? Or you can ask them like, Hey, would you like to participate in a service in a survey so we can mm -hmm. understand your problems better and offer you a solution, right? Or if you want to be really fancy, you could also run like some campaigns and actually invite like some of these decision makers, IT admins or uh, C-level uh, decision makers to like, uh, like events, like a dinner party or like drinks and stuff like this. Like so, and really like open up new audiences in areas, geo, geographical areas, cities or whatnot. Uh, we are currently not present. Right. What definitely does not make sense is to run install campaigns, right? So that would be very hard to make that really, really profitable. The only way where that would make sense, if you have like a really strong freemium offering mm -hmm. and you have so much cash on hand that you feel comfortable with targeting like really one <clears throat> specific industry, for example, and then really make sure that everyone in this industry is using your freemium product. Mm -hmm. So that once you approach one of these organizations uh, in such an industry, um, that they will have a, like an easy, really easy time in making a favorable des decision for you and your product, because everyone in the company is already using your product anyway, right? So, but that would be very, very expensive and very hard to measure as well, right? So it's not like you can run like a targeted install campaign 
only for people working at company XYZ. I mean, you can, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I, I would question like how well that actually how well that actually works. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I uh, I have a hard time uh, imagining how what kind of retention you can expect uh, to get with the CPI campaign uh, for a paid product to the audience. You have any um, like what we've just described? Like you haven't done your homework. You don't know what these people are doing on a daily basis. You not trying to walk in their shoes. You're just trying to shoot with CPI campaign like you would do for any game or utility app or, I don't know, messaging app. It would be just a budget wasting for sure. Yeah, so, I mean, I, th I think it would be an interesting experiment. I mean, I can guarantee that we have not done this, but <laughs> but it would be an interesting experiment if you were, like, let's say you have, like, a million dollars and yeah. um, you just, like, really try to create a campaign just to win this one client. So you try to market like your one application with a freemium option to all the employees of this company, let's say like a thousand employees. And then maybe you get like to know, I don't know, like maybe like a hundred people then use it. Right. So uh, that, but that is still then no guarantee that the decision makers use it and that this will be like a good argument for the decision makers to actually then buy into your offering. Right. So I'm not sure. I don't, I don't think it's a, it's a sensible strategy, but to, to really target like the, the, the key decision makers with targeted ad campaigns, um, just to inform them about your product, to create awareness and to invite them to events that give them a deeper insight into your product. That's totally doable because if you run it on a CPA basis anyway, then you're kind of like optimizing for opt in to these mm -hmm. events. Right. So, and that's what you want anyway. So that certainly makes sense and that's a strategy that can pay off yeah all right excellent can you think of you've just mentioned doing surveys webinars what about any offline ads and can you think of any way of doing offline ad for a SaaS app and just kind of work it together with online ads can you think of any so i think it's just something you can't get around right so you need to do offline advertising to really reach the decision makers in the best capacity. So one example would be because, because the thing is like uh, maybe one thing we should, we should point out is that mm -hmm. if you market mobile SaaS app, the thing is that there is no mobile SaaS company out there that only offers a mobile app, right? So there's no SaaS company in the world or if there is, please ping me because I'd love to know, but uh, I'm not aware of any that only run on mobile, right? So every SaaS offering out there, it has to have either like some kind of like desktop client, whether that is like a, a web app that runs in sort of like a wrapper for desktop, or if it's like a, a pure web app, but every SaaS offering needs to have like at least like a web dashboard, Right. And usually they also have like some kind of like web offering. Like you can sell Office 365 only on, on iPhone and Android. That's, uh, I don't think any company would really buy into that. Right. You need to have like a desktop client. You need to have like a the web application for that. So mobile is an extension of your SaaS offering, but it's not a standalone service that you are selling. So you're never in a situation or very rarely in a situation where you're purely only marketing your mobile application. You're always marketing your whole SaaS offering, right? And the mobile app can be like a way to, to do that 
but it will never be like the only thing that you market. You always market through a general brand offering. And that's where out-of-home advertising really can have like a huge impact. So if you think about GoToMeeting, right? So um, GoToMeeting is uh, all about remote working, right? So the best point of advertising for us actually is where people are in a situation where they're thinking, oh, I'd love to do remote working right now. And like a really good place for that is, for example, airports, right? So mm-hmm. like... Imagine you've been just on a like 17 hour flight from Frankfurt or London or whatever to San Francisco. And, you know, you had like a two hour delay. The flight took 15 hours. You're standing in front of customs, you know, you're waiting for your visa. And, and then there is like a advertising that says, don't you wish you didn't have to travel all the way? You just go to meeting next time. Excellent. It costs just like, you know, nine ninety nine per month, right? So that's like just like a fraction of the plane ticket that you just spent, less alone like the hotel cost and everything else associated with it. So, so these are like the the moments where where you can grab the attention of your audience and hopefully your decision makers. So, so if you combine that with with other uh, conferences. Like, for example, a very big conference for SaaS is uh, the Enterprise Connect, which is every year in Orlando. So, you know, if, if you do then like a full buyout of the airports surrounding Orlando uh, with your offering, then that can certainly have like a, a huge, huge impact. And it's something you can measure as well. So on the mobile app level, you can certainly see spikes when you do out-of-home advertising, right? At least if you do it, uh, in a certain geo, right? So you can you can look at your baseline, and then you can look at the time from when your out of home advertising is starting, and you can see whether that baseline is increasing or not in that specific geo. That's certainly possible. Or if you use a voucher, right? Like get like one month, go to meeting for free with this voucher code, and so on. Like then then that's something you can at least measure and target. But I would argue it's never really about the installs and downloads in this case. It's always about creating the awareness for your product, being smart about who you're targeting, and then being in a really good position there to actually make a really, really good and sound pitch to these people. Great. So uh, I would try to characterize in a few words, like, you know your audience, you know what these people are doing. You can think of moments when your ad will be relevant to them. And when you deliver your message in those moments, you can really connect your brand with these people because... Like it's really irrelevant when somebody just spent so much time on a plane and now you're showing him that, well, in some cases you do have to travel, but not all the time. Working remotely doesn't imply, you know, just flying back and forth all the time. You can cut on your uh, budget expenses. You can cut your time spending on being on a flight for so long and just be more productive than go to meeting uh, kind of product. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I mean, it's, it doesn't have to be an airport, right? It could also be like a, on the tube on the way to London. Like yep. People from the from the outer parts of the city having to get into the inner part of the city. And then if you have some good advertising on the tube, that also just like, hey, why don't you work two days from home a week? You know? Like, Great. Awesome. Now I have a few quick questions for you. All right. iOS or Android? On what side are you? I use both equally. So. Really? Yeah, I have an Android, iOS and an Android. So I have an, an iPhone and I have a Pixel 3. Mm, and I, I, I try to use them both 
more or less 50-50. But I do admit, iOS was first, and it will probably always stay my true love. So um, it's just, I don't know, it's just the design of it or something that is just like a little bit more appealing to me. I'm trying to fight against it, but it's really hard. I see. Can you remember your first mobile phone? Uh, yeah, it was the 3210, the Nokia 3210 oh. with Snake on it. So I yeah, that's the, that the phone my parents got me so um, they could always check where I am. Yeah. Great. What is your favorite app and why? Right now, that's uh, Strava, the fitness running app. I think they've They've done like a really, really good job in making running and cycling really fun in a way like they're, they're using like leaderboards. So they have some gamification elements in there, but they also give those who are interested very detailed um, stats on, mm -hmm. on how they are performing and how they are improving. And uh, what I think they've done like a really, really good job on is developing new, new stats. Like, so for example, They developed like an effort score for those who are like doing more intensive training, which is mm -hmm. like their equivalent to a training stress score. So it gives you like sort of like a, a weekly summary or like a weekly value that says like, hey, this week you trained with like an effort score of 120. That's like 20 points higher than last week. Right. So good job. Like you're increasing your fitness. But if you go to high, if you go to like from one week to the next week, from 100 to 200, then it will be like, oh, be careful. Like you're putting too much stress on your body. So yeah, that's just, I don't know. Strava is like really nice design, really good job, very inclusive application as well. So yeah, I, I really like that. Yeah. What about new app technologies you're most excited about? I think one thing that was really interesting just last week is a story from the Facebook Messenger team. And they uh, had like a nice video and a blog article on how they went from React Native back to developing completely natively to improve loading times and, and general performance. So I thought, that, I thought that was really interesting because the same thing happened with Airbnb. They also moved from React Native back to um, purely native development. And then at the same time, you have Microsoft who just released a pure React Native application that has all the different Office offers, like uh, Word, PowerPoint, uh, Excel, and so on, in one application, right? So not like separate applications, but one application, and all done in React Native. So yeah, that's just something I'm excited about, like uh, where is React Native moving, and you know who will jump on the React Native train, and, and who will jump off it? again in the next <laughs> uh, couple of months there, there's been a lot of like change there and and the other thing that which is not really an app technology but just like more general thing 5g yeah, that's i'm just very excited about that working in, in video conferencing audio and video connection is like the number one pain point that we have and in most mm -hmm. of the cases there's nothing we can do about it because the internet connection is just breaking up and then people get like an error message and it's like You know, sorry, but there's nothing we can do. Like if you have like really bad internet, we cannot keep that video call running for you. Like there's nothing like there's technologically nothing we can do. So um, I'm just hoping really that 5G will get adopted really quickly. Although I have, don't have very high hopes, um, at least in Germany. <laughs> And we're always like a little bit slow here when it comes to that. But um, yeah, that's going to be very exciting, uh, particularly for SaaS. Yeah. All right. And before I let you go, Philip, uh, how can people get in touch with you and get more information about what you're doing? 
I'm on Twitter. I don't tweet much, but I'm I'm checking it every 15 minutes or so. <laughs> I'm more of a lurker, not a content creator there. You can always get in touch with me there. My handle is uh, Philip Stelzer without the E and I. So just P-H-L-P-P-S-T-E-L-Z-R. And I'm also on Medium. I do like to write long texts about app development, uh, marketing, and managing development teams. So always happy to exchange on these topics. Great. We will put both ways to get in touch with you in the show notes so people can get in touch with you. All right. Great. Thanks a lot for your time and coming to our podcast, Philip. Thank you very much. And that was Philip Selzer, Staff Product Manager for GoToMeeting. To listen to more episodes, subscribe to our podcast on iTunes, Spotify, and Stitcher. Just search for Business of Apps and you will find us easily. Once you subscribe, you will be able to get new episodes on your smartphone, tablet, or computer as soon as we release them. And please don't forget to leave us a review and comment. It is highly appreciated. And all episodes will also be available on businessofapps.com. Till the next time. Bye. Thank you for listening to the Business of Apps podcast. For more, head on over to businessofapps.com.